millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello everyone, I'm Chris Wynn and welcome to the Rugger Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen where we once again look forward to a trip to Wembley and hopefully this time we can enjoy the game as well as everything else that comes with a trip to Wembley and in terms of winning at Wembley in a Sunderland shirt, uh, who better to talk to in the build-up than not only one of an exclusive club of former Sunderland players who have experienced a victory at the National Stadium but also one of only three captains to have done so in our history. He was only at Sunderland for three years, but experienced two different club owners, three different managers, two playoff campaigns and three finals at Wembley, all during 137 appearances for the club. So we are very pleased to be speaking to Max Power. Hello, Max. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Yeah, that was an eventful three years, isn't it? I've never, ever, <laughs> never ever heard it in that, in that format. But um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me there was that much going on. <laughs> I was I was going through it earlier and I just, I, I couldn't, when I was reeling them all off, I was going, bloody hell, all, all that happened in three years. But uh, it, was, uh, it was an eventful uh, three years. But thanks again for joining us. Um, and first of all, I suppose, uh, congratulations on winning the League One title this year with Wigan Athletic. Um, are the celebrations still going strong or has it calmed down a bit now? <laughs> It's calmed down a bit now, Chris. Yeah, obviously, we had a trip to Vegas once the season finished. So we got away with the lads. And then, to be honest, I'm, I'm happy to see the back of them. <laughs> you, know, you, spend, you spend that much time with the team for um, for the season. That you know, Obviously, we had, a, we had a really good campaign, but it's always nice to, to get away. Uh, and then, obviously, now just enjoy some family time and enjoy some time off. Yeah, yeah, and actually j- during those celebrations, I think I saw you uh, pictured with uh, with Charlie Wake, and obviously I I hope he's doing okay now. And I think uh, all Sunderland fans will let go that uh, we hope he's continuing to re- to recover well, and uh, we wish him all the best. Yeah, Charlie's in in a in a really good place now. He's had hor- horrendous six months, Chris. I mean, I don't mm. think anyone will ever quite gauge what went on without being there. But it was as as plain and simple as he basically died in front of us. Collapsed, hit the deck, wasn't wasn't breathing, no pulse. So, as you can imagine, it was a um, pretty traumatic experience for everyone, um, not just myself, the whole squad and players, and and obviously Charlie himself. Obviously, I know he was unaware of what was going on until he woke back up. Thankfully, he did. Um, but that was down to obviously, you know, fair play to, to Liam Richardson, the manager, dive straight on him, uh, give him CPR. You know, I'd be the first and I froze on the spot. It was it was pretty surreal. And he's had a really, really tough six months loads of 
you know, ups and a lot more downs, um, loads of operations and he's been through hell and, and I hope he's looking touchwood like he's coming through the other side of that now. The plan is to build up his fitness now and get ready for pre-season and, and hopefully um, be ready to start the season. So if you'd have told me that was going to happen in November, I'll told Charlie that I'm sure he'd have, he'd have snapped your hand off for it. So yeah, he's, he's in a good place. He's in a good place. And hopefully now we can, you know, enjoy his summer with his family, his, his wife, Chelsea, and little boy, Albion, and, um, and look forward to next season. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm sure all the summer fans will echo that uh, it's, it's good to see him. Yeah. Uh, back up and running, and uh, and uh, we'll wish him all the best. Well, let, I mean, let's get into the 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 I'm kind of. I'm already nervous. The nerves are the kicking in before the weekend. But uh, <laughs> as you well know, we have our biggest game probably since our last playoff final back in May 2019 against Charlton. I mean, I mean, just going back to to that season and the run of games leading up to the playoffs in that season under Jack Ross. I mean, we we only looking back. We only won one of the final seven games of the season. And yeah. I remember from a fan's perspective, we were a little bit flat because we missed out on the automatics and we weren't in great form. I mean, can you remember it being a similar atmosphere for the playoffs uh, for for the players in the build up to the, to the playoffs that year? Do you know what, Chris? It's it's funny, really. This week has probably been the first time I've sort of had a little bit of time to like reflect on on obviously the three sort of the three years obviously I had at Sunderland, and I think out of all three, looking back, I think obviously that first season sort of haunts and you know disappoints me the most because I felt like that squad should have looking back should have comfortably won the won the league. Mm. Obviously we never I think once the sort of the realization that automatics had got away from us, I think was it South End away last game of the season. We knew we couldn't go up so obviously that was factored in. The Fleetwood away game, I think it was Fleetwood away. You know, we we sort of knew it had got away from us, and it was quite hard at that time. You know, when you're going into games, knowing you can't get promote, you are you do shift your mindset to right. It's okay, we've got the playoffs coming up in a few weeks. Now, obviously, you want to win every game as a footballer. But yeah, I remember in the running, there was actually once the season was done, it was like right, this is where we're at now. Let's go and win the playoffs. And there was still that sort of that sort of freshness about the squad that you know what if we go win the playoffs now, it's still been a success. We've been promoted. That was the aim for everyone at the start of the season. And obviously, we obviously went into the Portsmouth, the two games against Portsmouth. And um, it's funny because obviously I play with Tom Naylor and Jack Watmore now. We were at Portsmouth. And the pair of us both said, like, we, we obviously we speak now and think that season we'd obviously have the league games, the checker trade final, another two games. And I think Portsmouth were top for a large amount of that season. And it was almost like the pair of us were it. The, both teams found themselves in the playoffs, knowing really that probably both should have went up automatically if they had, you know, obviously continued the good form, which we, which we never in the end. So playing each other, it was almost a bit like probably a bit like the way Chef Wednesday and Sunderland felt. Obviously, the, the other night, I think Chef Wednesday have had a good season, but someone's got to miss out. <laughs> you know, I, I, you get to that point, and unfortunately, you know. Like I said, it would have dawned on both sets of players and fans the, the, the evening. Let me tell you, I was relieved I'm, I, for the first time. I thought I was on holiday thinking, I'm glad I'm not involved in the playoffs because <laughs> it's no matter what anyone says, you know, it's the, the, the funny games, anything can happen. A lot of pressure riding on them. You have to quickly get rid of the disappointment of not getting up for automatic. And I think that's probably leading into this playoff campaign for Sunderland now. Probably the best form Sunderland have got into a playoff campaign in the last 
obviously three years. So, you know, that mindset and that sort of mentality the players will have at the moment, I think that'll stand everyone in good stead for the weekend. I really do. So, I mean, actually, I mean, thinking back to, to almost having to pick yourself up after being on that bad form under Jack Ross at the time, yeah. do you think that's going to be a big element for the for this current squad that they're in good form? Because the other the other side of the argument is it's only what it's a one-off game and it's a final. So how much does that actually count? I think this time around, because I think, you know, I... Oh, the automatics were obviously were still on for Sunderland this season for a large part. And I think I think it was even up until the Plymouth game. I remember looking at the league table and thinking, if Sunderland went away at Plymouth today and results go, it could still be on. And it's that sort of hope that, that kills you. But realistically, it was going to be a you know a tall ask and tall order, sorry, should I say, in that running, it obviously it looked like it was always going to be between Wigan Wotherham and MK Dons. So I think maybe the fact that automatics maybe not a may not have been in anyone's mind at Sunderland leading in. It was just, right, let's finish the season well and let's just focus on the playoffs. I think a bit like you look at MK Dons now, you know, to go to Plymouth away and win 5-0, you know, and still not go up and finish on nine points, you know, no matter how strong mentally you are, you know, you're coming off that pitch at Plymouth going, we've got to pick ourselves up here. What a season we've had and we've missed out. And, you know, you could see it happening a mile off. <laughs> you, you just know, always that team that finishes fair a lot of the time always seems to come up short. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, just quickly as well on those semi-finals against Portsmouth, um, I just wanted to mention the the, the cracking kind of goalless draw at Fratton Park because uh, you became fully acquainted with the locals <laughs> um, after Lugo 9 got shoved in the stand. But it, it seemed like that one, looking, at, looking back at that squad that we had, the likes of yourself, Lee Catamull, Chris Maguire, Seemed like you were, you know, that's the sort of battle that that you lads loved at the time. Uh, that team and squad, Chris should have got promoted. Should have got promoted. Mm-hmm. The, you know, there's no two ways about that. There's was it 19 draws, I think it was that mm-hmm. season, which obviously you know ultimately cost us in the end. You know, to be low, you know, everyone will always have their opinions, Chris, and there's no sort of set moments that I look back and think. Well, saying that there is a few sort of games that you go, you know. Piece, I remember scoring a piece of it away, I think it was in the 87th minute. And I think, I, I remember going back to the halfway and thinking, we're up, we're going up here. And then, you know, I think it was Matt Godden scored in the 92nd. And you talk about going from here to there in minutes. Mm, yeah. The Coventry at home game was wild, 5-4. Another game where you just look back and think, wow. Well, for me, I think, and this is clearly obviously just my opinion, because I think the like you know that season, you know, I, I, I strongly believe if we hadn't sold Josh Madger in January, I think we'd have landed on more side of wins in them draws because the lad was winning games for us. When them games were tight, your nil nils, your one ones, you know, he, he's just a goal scorer and he was deciding games for us at that point. And you know, that's nothing against you know the other strikers at the time, um, but you know, Josh was having that type of season where. In obviously campaigns have been promoted before, you know, more often than not, you get a, a goal scorer or someone who scores 20 plus goals, you've got a right chance of, of getting promoted. And I think Josh was on maybe 16, 17 goals by January. So to leave to lose him at that time was for me criminal or football. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we did make it at Wembley. A lot is made of Sunderland's record at Wembley. I mean, I was guilty of that in the in the introduction, but uh, we always seem to have this existential crisis as a set of fans when we reach Wembley for some uh, reason, um, especially for for playoff final games. But for the players, I mean, in the in the build up, I mean, does that have any impact on the players? Uh, for me personally, Chris, in, in in not one of the Wembley games did anything that happened in the past. 
bother me. Um, I can only speak for myself. I guess it's only natural for the fans to to think about it and talk about it because it's plain it's there to see, you know. And then you know, I look back on the free the free Wembley trips I had. You know, to lose on penalties. You know, you're seeing you see how how Chelsea must feel. If I did took Liverpool all away, 120 minutes in two cup finals this season and lost both games on penalties. Obviously, the playoff one. Again, talking before about having time to reflect and look back on the missed opportunities. Obviously, I've I've had you know to for me that one still haunts me. Well, and always will because I was injured and my day was done after 27 seconds. 27. It wasn't until, funny enough, I never ever watched the game back because obviously you didn't want to see it. Um, but it, it was on. I always remember during lockdown. It was the game come on on Sky playoff. You know the Sky Sports football mm-hmm. like playoff classic. I was like, oh, let's have a look. Um, and obviously it was our game and I, I, I obviously clicked, uh, turned her on I knew I'd got injured early because I knew I was off the pitch within 10 minutes but I didn't realise it was 27 seconds my day was done and I was like wow I look back and think you know I felt I I finished that season in pretty good form and I had a, you know, a bit of a bite about me where started the season well obviously look back I had the red cards dip in form and fought back, lost my place. Um, obviously, we signed Grant in the January and Jack Ross went with Grant and, and Cats for a while and I was in and out of the team. But then I, I remember getting back in the team. I don't remember what game it was, but I got back on the side on the in the running and I felt like I was in a, I was in a real good place mentally and I thought, right, I want to finish this season well. And even today, you know, I still you know, look back and think, what could have been? I remember, I just, obviously, I was just having my flashbacks of, for that 10 minutes, ankle was ruined after 27 seconds, by the way. I think it was like a grade three rupture of the ligaments. Sort of summed my season up. I'd never been injured, never had an injury in my career. And, you know, that was really hard to deal with, to then sit on the bench and then obviously in a big booth and to concede the dog was the last kick of the game. You know, oh, it was just, like I said, because the playoffs finished, I went away on holiday and then before you know it, you were back into training. And I think it was just one of them instance where you just try and just try to park it not think about it and it's only been probably this summer where like I said I've had time now to sort of look back and obviously because I'm not involved in the football club anymore to look back on what went on and and reflect on things and obviously with the build-up to the playoff final again this week obviously it's brought back memories and um, yeah I just there was no way in my head we were losing that game that day I'm not saying I went off the pitch and that was the reason why but I just felt I'd, I'd finished the season strong. We had a lot about us and I was playing a bit advanced. Um, I think it was Katz and Grant as a two and I was a bit pushed on. That was an, obviously, I'm not an out-and-out number 10, but someone in there to run around and press and get in the box and I was enjoying that role. And like I say, to, to have your day over after 27 seconds, you know, that just adds to um, a three years at Sunderland that probably, you know, just added to things that didn't quite go right. It's funny you should mention that. I mean, obviously, we were talking about it earlier on with uh, with some of the lads and we were all seeing how much that disrupted us early on and kind of stopped our rhythm. But, I mean, just going back to the build-up, I mean, obviously, Sunderland fans took over the capital the night before. I was reading an article earlier on today when you were talking about the fans meeting you at King's Cross and surprising even some of the senior players. <laughs> I mean, can, can that sort of reaction you know, from the fans and, and that sort of build-up, can that work both ways where some players love it and they're motivated and other players just feel more pressure? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, Chris, I can only speak for myself. I remember, I think it was the, 
I think it was the the it was the, the checker trade final where obviously we stepped off the train and I just remember this noise and obviously with King's Cross the way it built and the echo I was like Phew. you know it was like goosebump airs on the next type of moments and for me I was just like I said like I wasn't nervous for either for any of the saying that the most nervous I was 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 the the one we won because it was almost an element of Sunderland Football Club playing Trammy Rovers a League Two side everything was either all the past record was getting brought up and it was probably the first time I was going to Wembley for the third time off the back of two defeats. So it was probably the first time I was a bit like, oh, I need to win this one today. <laughs> you know what I mean? We can't afford to make it today. You know, and again, I look back at my time at Sunderland, Chris, and I think probably the best bit of success I had, the first that real moment where I get to lift the trophy, there's no one in the ground. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No one in the ground. So, you know, I look back sometimes, I think, you know, maybe, obviously, you know, I'll cherish that moment, but sometimes you just get a feeling that some things aren't meant to be. And, um, yeah, I look back at me, my time at Sunderland and, you know, I really did enjoy it. It was tough because, you know, it was free, free season, really, where we've come up short and there was disappointments. So that was always tough to deal with. And like I said, it's probably only been this, this summer where, the season's finished again and you just go it's, it's probably been like I said the first time I've, I've looked back and had time to reflect and not been involved in the playoffs and don't get me wrong because I'd be lying if I'd be lying if I said it. it's not it's a bit easier to do after you've just won the league <laughs> so it's been a bit of an, it has been a bit of an easier summer for once but yeah it's, it'll be a mo- winning at Wembley for me I think oh, but it was it, it, it'll always be a great moment for me but I'll never be able to quite fully enjoy it because I came to Sunderland fully expecting to get promoted and wanting to get promoted and obviously it didn't happen so that'll be something I'll always have to sort of deal with and look back on with a bit of regret Well well, like we said you've done it three times um, play for Sunderland at Wembley three times I mean you know, how how did the squads prepare for for the build up for for those games playing in those games of that size at Wembley I mean did the squads kind of did they get away for it all for for a few days and, and what do you think the ideal preparation is for a game of this size I think ideally because you want to keep it as as normal as possible and by that I mean just treat it like although it's not any other game everyone knows it's everyone knows it's a final everyone knows the importance of it but for me as a footballer personally I, I hate change like I'm very very like Rich, all my like everything I do every week is the is the same. I wear I wear the same undies, the same socks. <laughs> I am pretty superstitious as well in in the fact that I, I like everything spot on. Same, I like to eat at the same time, eat the same thing. If we lose, I maybe might change what I bet. <laughs> but I think for the lads building up this week, I think I think the main the, the good thing is Alex Neil. By the way, obviously. Looks as if it's been, a, you know, an outstanding appointment. You know, regardless of what happens Saturday, I think if Sunderland stick with with him, that they've got a really good manager, someone who's been there and done it. And I think that's important this week. Obviously, he's been promoted with Norwich at Wembley in the playoffs, hasn't he? So I think that experience as a manager will be will be huge. And I look for me, I I look at the team and I've watched them obviously closely. I've been on the receiving end of two defeats this season. Um, as well so there's some very good players in there because I look at the the front four uh, I think that's as good as anything in the championship never mind League One with you know Roberts Clark Pritchard and Big Roscoe 
And I think, Chris, you know, the biggest thing for me for Sunderland is Bailey Wright looks back to his best as well. I think Bailey's one of the best centre halves in his division uh, when he's fully fit. That's why we tried to sign him last summer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> another another one of my uh, aging operations that I didn't manage to pull off. Um, but I think Bailey's in a real good place. And, you know, you talk about this and looking back, you know, losing Josh Madger in the first season with shoes. And I think losing Bailey Wright to Oxford away to injury under Phil Parkinson all over the season. Um, obviously, cut, got cut short. I think at that, I remember at that time, you know, we had a real settled back three in Jordan Willis, Bales and Flano. And I think Bailey being at the centre of that was massive to us and, and losing him at the time. You know, no disrespect to any of the other lads who stepped in. But like I said, I think Bailey's the best, one of the best centre-offs in the league when he's fit. Yeah, yeah, he was absolutely immense at, at Hillsborough, you know, kind of blood pouring down his face. And... Yeah, I, I text him, I give him a bit of stick about that, he loves all that, <laughs> bit of blood. He was only missing the headband. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, yeah, Terry Butcher if he'd had the headband. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, just just on Wembley and the experience of playing at Wembley, I mean, there's a, there's quite often you hear, uh, you know, former players of players saying that it feels like it's such a big pitch and it drains your legs. I mean, do, does it actually have that effect when you play there? That pitch is massive, Chris. Yeah, that, <laughs> that pitch is massive. And it's funny because when we, obviously, I, I, I come on, I didn't start against Portsmouth. My day was done after 27 seconds against Charlton. And obviously, I played against Tramia. So, obviously, I could only really take it from the Tramia game. And I remember coming off the pitch and thinking, wow, like, everyone was knackered that day. Now, I remember Lee Johnson, to be fair, we had a meeting before the Tramia game and he got he put up the pitch dimensions of Wembley and the Stadium of Light. And I don't think there's much in it. I can't remember. I, 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 Wembley's bigger than the Stadium of Light, but not by much. But either he's got it wrong or... <laughs> <laughs> but I remember coming up after the, the Tramia game, obviously speaking with the, the sports scientists after the game, um, the lads who, you know, obviously wear the GPS units. I felt as if I'd ran about 12k, big numbers. And it was actually one of the smallest outputs as a team we'd made that season. Now, you come off the pitch and that was the tiredest I'd felt, by the way. So whether it's just the whole emotion of playing in a final, and like I said, the, the Tramia final dawned on me a little bit more than the other two because I thought, I can't afford to lose this this game today because I had 100 lads from Birkenhead messaging me wanting Tramia to win. So I was already getting a bit of stick. And like I said, it was obviously I was captain at this point. So I felt a lot more responsibility. And like I said, it, you know, it, I wanted to lift the trophies. So yeah, it, that one kicked in on it. I, I think, you know, I hope that I hope that, I don't know what the weather forecast is like this week, but I looked at the Liverpool and Chelsea players sat in and I thought, oh, it was like it looked red hot. The pitch is massive. That's an FA Cup final. It's just, I think it's just the whole experience. I think Cup finals have that, obviously, they have that different feel and you know there's more riding on it. I'll tell you a story, actually. And this sort of sums up sort of what I'm saying. So for the the Charlton, the Charlton game uh, playoff final, bear in mind, I've never been late for a, a team meeting in my career, Chris, not once. Um, so I remember waking up Saturday morning, Charlton game, I was buzzing. I was up early, round breakfast, couldn't sit still, um, watching all, we stayed in the Hilton Hotel right next to the stadium. So, you know, obviously you're watching everyone turn up and the numbers are growing and everything. And I remember saying to, I was obviously I room with Charlie White, I said to Wikey, right, I'm going to, uh, we'll have a quick nap now, we've got a meeting in, and I was time, let's have a nap. 
you know, obviously I'll set my alarm and we'll, and we'll go we'll, we'll go down to the meeting. So um, my phone starts going and it was um, the old secretary, Brett. I was like, that's strange. Why is Brett ringing me? I went, hello, hi, Brett. He was like, where are you, Max? I was like, I'm in bed. He was like, the meeting started two minutes ago. I went, no way. He went, and I looked at my phone and honestly... What I mean, I was like, I couldn't believe it, genuinely. I've never missed a meeting in my life. And I think the point I'm making is, I think it was all that nervous energy and build-up that I just went, boom. And I said, I remember saying to Chad, I was like, why Chad, jump, get up, we're late, we're late. I was like, so when Brett said that, I said, oh, please tell, I said, I'm, I'm coming now, I'm coming now. I was in my undies, gear on dead quick, sprinted out the room. I just remember looking at Jack Ross's face and thinking, oh, this the manager doesn't need me and Charlie White walking into this meeting late. But like I said, I've never been late for a meeting in my career. And I think when you talk about Wembley and all the build-up, I think that's just the type of thing, like that shows a build-up and that nervous energy. Of, I've been awake since seven o'clock, pacing around the room, pitching how the game was going to go. And so, yeah, it sort of added to my stinker of a day. Late to a meeting for the first time in my career. Uh, luckily, only by a minute, but still not ideal. And then injured after 27 seconds. So, someone clearly didn't, someone clearly didn't want me to have a good day that day. It's just adrenaline crashes, isn't it? I guess the whole day. Of yeah. It. I remember just like looking outside and just watching everyone turn up and thinking, oh, get me on that pitch. Obviously, I'd, I hadn't started in the, the final against Portsmouth. So, like I said, I went into them the playoff that campaign was really excited thing and I've never experienced the playoffs before and this is you know I thought right I've had a bit of an up and down season I want to finish this with a bang and like I said it was taken out of my hands really really early so football yeah and I know I know you mentioned it earlier on but the one that we we won when we won the Papa John's trophy how much shine you know was taken off by the fact that you know there was no fans there because it was you know the club where you started it was Tranmere yeah you know, I imagine you would have had a bunch of people there who you knew from Tranmere Sunderland fans weren't there so you lifted the trophy in front of a pretty much an empty stadium and so how much did that actually take off that experience yeah a lot a lot Chris yeah because for me you know we'd everyone had had a difficult time during lockdown twelve months or whatever it was I know a full season without fans. I mean, again, it's sort of like I look back and think, you know, at my time at Sunderland, and I just think, again, it just screams at me. It's like it was just one of them. It was just a, a period, obviously, in my career, which I look back and I think maybe it just wasn't meant to be. <laughs> you know, you know, to not have anyone in the stadium when you lift a trophy. It was, it was again. We had the euphoria of lifting it. It was like a bit more of a more than anything that we'd won at we'd won at Wembley, and then it was literally back on the train and get ready for Atkinson. It was weird that we played Atkinson both times after both finals. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was yeah, it it took it did take a shine off it. But like I said, you know, if these things happen, it's football, and like I said, these times now I can reflect on it. I look back at the photos and think, ah, oh, you know, we won at Wembley, but. <laughs> No one there, you know, behind in the stadium. Yeah. But it's yeah. what it is. It's yeah. what it is. Well, going into the, the weekend's game, we're obviously playing Wigan Wanderers. Wigan beat uh, Wigan 3-1 at Adams Park back in February. Um, you were playing in the middle of the park that day. Um, you also played against Sunderland in February when we won 3-0 at the DW, which was Alex Neal's first win, um, but he was only three games into the job. So, I mean, you played against both sides, but, I mean, do you think looking at the game, it's going to be a case of Sunderland having most of the possession and Wickham looking for a break or a set piece. Or do you think it's going to go along those lines? I mean, what type of game do you expect? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've looked at, like, you look at both teams, Chris, and I think for me, you know, and this is no disrespect to Wickham at all, I think they've got some very good players and a very good manager and very much a different style to what Sunderland will bring. But for me, I, I look player for player and I think Sunderland have got the better players. Again, if there's one team, though, who can upset a game and cause issues and problems and are comfortable without the ball, it is Wickham. You know, I think if it if it was if it was a Sunderland MK Dons final, now you'd be going over the two teams who like to get the ball down and pass, and you know it'd be a case of you know or who's going to play the better football on the day. I think Wickham are very experienced, and, and before by the way, I meant no disrespect to them by saying you know Sunderland for me have got the better players. I stand by that, but I do think Wickham can cause any team problems, and like I said, they are comfortable without the ball. Um, for me. You want me? I'm not going to sit on the fence and I think I think I do think Sunderland will win the game on Saturday. I think there's a few factors for me. I think one, uh, the manager Alex Neil. I think he's been there and done it. I, I've watched his interviews and the way he carries himself. He looks very much like in control of the whole situation. Uh, he looks like the leader of the club, and you know, I think players will draw confidence from that. Secondly, I think like I touched on before, I think the front four. Would comfortably cause problems in the division above. Mm. You know, Patrick Roberts, Pritchard, Clark, they're all very good technical players. And Ross has had a, you know, a really good season. Ross can do a bit of everything. And again, I think, you know, the fact that Bailey Wright's in such good form, you know, I, I, I just, it's tough for me. It's tough to see anything other than a Sunderland win. Um, I don't want to jinx it. So, before I get everyone sleeping me on Twitter like usual, uh, I'm blaming me on Saturday evening if it doesn't go well. Uh, I think I'll turn my phone off. But yeah, I, I do see a Sunderland win. Uh, but I do think Wickham can cause anyone problems and know how to slow it down, make it very bitty and, and, and drag you into their type of game. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm over in Ibiza, so I'll find a, um, I'll find a bar to watch it in. And, and like I say, you know, I think over the course of this season, Chris, I think anyone who knows me on a personal level knows, you know, I've got no ill feeling towards Sunderland whatsoever. You know, obviously I've moved on and that's football. And I, but I'll always, you know, I look back at my time at Sunderland, you know, I'm gutted it didn't go how I wanted it to. But I'm, you know, obviously I'll be rooting for the lads on Saturday and I'm just glad I'm not involved, to be honest. <laughs> sure, if you know Bethel, you'll be joined by a few Sunderland fans in whatever bar you're in. I'm sure they'll be over there. But uh, we'll just push for time. So I'll just quickly end with um, uh, because obviously I said in the introduction that you're only one of three Sunderland captains to taste victory at Wembley. And I'm sure you've got plenty of years left as a professional player still to come. But that must feel pretty good to have on the CV. Yeah, again, Chris, until you hear someone say that, um, like you said before, you know, it's. It is something I'm proud of, and I think I think the way my sort of Sunderland career ended, you know, it, it left obviously a, a bitter taste in my mouth in terms of not from obviously not renewing a contract. I mean, from not having success. You know, I always remember well, be four years ago, nearly four years ago now, getting on the M62, looking at obviously I'd, I'd been informed that a bid had been accepted. Went on Google, typed in Sunderland squad, seen the plays that were there. I thought I, I didn't envisage four years later Sunderland being still 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 being League One, so to say. Um, but again, it's just it's football, isn't it? You know, no one's got any divine rights to get promoted. I think it's the fact that we've always come close, just just not 
close enough. Um, like I touched on earlier, because I think that the, the main one for me that will that you know that disappoints me is the first campaign with the squad of players we had. You know, we should have got promoted that season, and I think the fact that we never then sort of snowballed into season, and then manager changes, player turnover again. It was so many factors. I could we could sit here for <laughs> all night and. And, you know, things would pop up and you'd say, what about this? What about that? Ultimately, now, I think, you know, it's, again, the situation where it's a one-off game. And I obviously hope, you know, Sunderland get promoted and everyone can go back to booing me next season. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in your life. I'll come back and take a bit more stick. <laughs> well, you've you've said it now. You've said it's locked in. We're, we're going up. Port Max Power, we're going up. It's it's this time around. So we'll, <laughs> we'll say no more. So, like I said, we'll, we'll push for time, Max. So I, I just want to say thank you very much, Max. We really appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, enjoy your summer. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Chris. And like I say, genuinely... I hope the lads do it on on Saturday, and and you can all um, you can all have a you know a real I'm sure it'll be a real good night if um, if all goes to plan. Yeah, that's. I think we're just all going to spontaneously combust. I think if we win, I don't think we'll uh, we'll know what to do ourselves. To be honest, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a quiet night in London if, if there's a promotion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I've got, I've got me, I've got my room booked. But uh, good stuff, and all the best in the in the championship next year as well, Max. Cheers. Cheers, Bob. Great to see you, mate. Brilliant. Cheers. And uh, thanks again for everyone for listening. Uh, we're going to keep building up to the weekend on the website, a Rock Report, of course, and look out for the new pods during our wrap up to the new season. Uh, but from us, it's bye for now. Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.